Hello, friends. Welcome back to the episode of Be Here for a While. Today's episode of Be Here for a While is brought to you by Braddock USA and Magic Spoon Cereal. I'm going to tell you about all the ways you can, you know, get some discounts on some cool stuff, you know, because that's what friends are for. That's what friends are for in good times and bad times. I'll be on your side forever. Whoa, 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 whoa. Shut it down, Rach. As everyone just turned off the podcast. But really, that's what friends are for. Um, I'm super excited about my guest today. Okay, so I came across him in as a guest, like, way differently than I ever have before. So... His company happens to be a sponsor on Be Here for a while. And on the onboarding call where I normally learn about the brand, et cetera, it's rarely the CEO of the company on the call, but it happened to be him. And, you know, he was just telling his story about um, almost going bankrupt during uh, coronavirus shutdowns and how he pivoted his business and uh, started what it is now. And I just found it so inspiring. And I mean, there was many times where I was like laughing out loud, like I didn't even know like the like the craziness that some people are going through that they never would have before to you know get the supplies they need for their business because of all the shutdowns and it just I just thought it was so inspiring and really funny at times and um, he just on this podcast he gives some amazing business advice for anyone who currently has a business looking for some inspiration on how to handle this crazy time how you can switch it up instead of you know giving up Um, And he also gives advice for people looking to start a business and, you know, just the early steps on what to do and what not to do. So uh, without further ado, give it up for Joshua Gibson. So random that I was like listening to your story on uh, an onboarding call. And I was like, wait, this would make a really good like I was like, I want him to keep talking. Like, (laughs) this story is insane. And also very inspiring. Well, that's, that's good that you, that you think so. It's weird. Cause like people say that and I'm just like, well, I'm just like doing business, you know, like I feel yeah. like I'm like, oh, I just, I'm doing what I have to, you know? And I, I've said it a bunch and like, I don't know the order of discussion, but I've said, oh, this no, it's to, whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, good, good, cool. So I've said this to people too, during, you know, during this time, like the last few months, I'm like, I hear all these stories of people like working out, and working on their bodies and like doing things for themselves. And I'm like, man, I kind of like wish I had that, you know, that opportunity. But, but like instead, like I built a business, you know, yeah. like, and I, th- I was thinking like, I wish there was, you know, like a campaign out there to inspire people and push people to do something much more than just for themselves during this time. Mm-hmm. And it well, that's actually, like, oh, yeah. go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, that's actually like, I was thinking about it when I was like coming up with questions for you. I was like, I think it's really going to be good for my listeners to hear how someone, I mean, you were facing possibly like bankruptcy, you said, you know, and uh, to hear like, if he can do it, all of us can do it, you know? And I think, uh, I think you said on our call originally that you hate the word pivot, but I think that's exact. like when it comes to this, did yeah, you say that yeah. or did I make yeah, that up? Was, okay. yeah, was, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, but I think that's exactly what it is. Like you do what you have to do. I did also realize though, I didn't realize at the time until uh, we emailed a couple days ago, your wife was pregnant when you just thought you were going to lose everything. Like how stressful was that? I have a two-year-old too. Oh oh my gosh. (laughs) So yeah, I mean the two-year-old, this is in the span of two weeks, right? This is our life in two weeks. 
uh, two-year-old was pulled out of daycare. My wife's office was closed. I bought one of my competitors, mm -hmm. closed that factory, and was on the phone with a bankruptcy lawyer. Wow. And then, yeah, she was, I guess, in March, that was, uh, she was like three or four months pregnant. We just had our baby last week. Wow, congratulations. Thanks, yeah. Um, so would you mind going through the timeline? Like, sure. I don't know what we talked about before, like how you had just started expanding, <laughs> the, which is the worst timing. So go ahead with all that. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, <laughs> it is, it was the worst timing, you know? Um, so yeah, so we started the business in 2011, you mm -hmm. know, in a warehouse in South Central Los Angeles with, you know, one man and one piece of equipment and quickly grew, you know, from my connections, you know, to design community and the entertainment community in, you know, in LA, mm -hmm. uh, you know, friends and family referrals and, you know, it grew fast and we had employees pretty quick and we got a new location pretty quick. And, you know, throughout the years, it's just, it's just grown as like a print shop. We do merch, you know, uh, screen print, everything's screen printed. It's like the focus, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and so it grew, um, over the years, you know, with, you know, smaller acts, local bands, and then it grew into like bigger bands, national acts, you know, 30 seconds to Mars and oh, wow. the sharp and the magnetic zeros, you know, people like that. Mm -hmm. uh, Brockhampton, it was a big band that we did recently. I don't know if you know who those guys are. Um, you know, but, you know, I think, so we're, we're a typical merch, you know, your merch company. Mm -hmm. Sure, it's screen printed, um, you know, tees, hats, you know, embroidery, stuff like that. Um, and so, yeah, so that's, that was 2011. We started and have been doing just that for the last nine years. And then, yeah, I mean, I have been, you know, seeking to expand the business um, and as a business person looking for opportunities constantly, I think mm -hmm. just as a business person, I'm always looking for opportunities that make sense, you know, is whether that's developing a brand that comes on board and I'm like, all right, let me try to nurture this brand a little bit. I've seen hundreds of brands, you know, we've mm -hmm. worked with hundreds of brands. If it's a weed shop or a liquor store or a restaurant, you know, I have, I can consult. And so I'm always like, all right, maybe I can help them out. Maybe we can partner. So I've done that. So in what way do you mean? Like get, having them do merch or you're consulting them yeah. on just their no, business? Merch, 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 merch. Okay. Yeah, merch. So I'm like, let me develop a brand for you that has, that's in line with what I can offer you. Yeah, and I can tell cool. you, don't put, don't buy those things. You know, don't yeah. do this. Don't do that. Because I've seen so many brands go into, you know, trying to start a business. And I think just as a business person, you know, I know business pretty well. I've grown my business so I can mm -hmm. give business advice to that's what's cool about my job, I think, is that I get to meet a lot of people who are starting fashion lines, who are comedians, who are, you know, uh, cannabis companies that are selling merch. Like, I get to kind of consult with their, for, their, for them on how to go about selling merch. You know, like I've seen it all. What, um, what would you say is like, I mean, I guess they're all different types of businesses, mm -hmm. but is there one like, don't do that in business? Like how you were saying earlier, like I tell them, like, don't, don't buy that or don't do that. Yeah, that's a good question, actually. Yeah. So I guess, you know, I think... I think right off the top of my head, when I see guys come into the shop, I think, especially people that have a lot of money. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you have a customer that has a lot of money, they might come into the shop and be like, yeah, I got like 15 grand to spend. I'm like, okay, you're going to spend like a thousand bucks. Yeah. Because I think you have to prove that you could sell 50 shirts before you go out and buy 5,000 shirts. Totally. You're better off like at your, I'm a comedian, so I'm just thinking like that. You're better off at your comedy show, like 
running out and then people being like, well, can I get it online or where can I get them? I really want to get one. Then like getting back on the plane with a huge box full of hundreds of t-shirts that you did not sell. 100%. It's mm-hmm. way better to sell out and, and, and uh, increase the demand for your product than it is to uh, waste your money and sit on inventory. Mm-hmm. You need that money. People need that money. No matter how rich you are, you need that money. Yeah. It's better to have the cash and have the demand you know, so that way you can expand and experiment. Um, and I guess, you know, um, so that's one of the piece of advice that I'm like, yeah, just, just try to sell like five shirts. Another, I think with brands and, you know, specifically, like I like to tell brands to, you know, don't even buy one shirt, try to build up your brand first mm-hmm. online, you know, with relationships, with collaborations, try to do things for other people that have some type of profile, social profile or, or whatever mm-hmm. first. Because what another thing that I tell a lot of designers and up and coming, you know, people in the biz is and, and fashion, whatever it is, a restaurant that wants to sell merch. I say people, I don't believe people care about the masses. Don't care about necessarily about your your you know brand in a sense. Mm-hmm. Buy, they buy because they have emotional connection to you know uh, emotional connection to the product, right? So yeah, develop a really cool product, right? And mm-hmm. don't spend you know, all this time and energy and effort on like, you know, building out this brand and building out this company, you know, like see if you could make one cool t-shirt and try to sell 10 of them, Mm -hmm. right? And then slowly grow it, organically grow it. Put that money back into, you know, getting more product, maybe hiring a designer to get you some cool designs, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and then growing it organically rather than like trying to, you know, I like collaborations. Go, go try to get, you know, a collaboration with someone that has, yeah social profile and because most likely like their whole business is not selling t-shirts or selling merch like they'd already built a brand that could then sell that like my friend who's on a reality show um she has just a t-shirt line Uh but she already built up her brand on this tv show so she can have a a t-shirt line like that can be like a total side business it's not 100 yeah 100 i i love because i feel like that's when our ego gets involved like Mm -hmm. i need to be the brand right but there are so many, like, even just as a business person, I feel like there's so much opportunity in the world that you don't need to create another business. Just go help one that exists, mm-hmm. right? Make them better and take some of that, you know, income and revenue for yourself, you know, mm-hmm. charge, charge for that. You know, I think so many entrepreneurs and business people waste their efforts trying to create the next Twitter or the next social media yeah. platform rather than going to another existing business and making them better try to make a, something that exists better yeah. and oftentimes go- those things grow organically like sure. you may come up with the next twitter or whatever yeah, but sure. like right that usually comes with like you met this person you did yes. a favor for them they did a favor for yes. you they introduced you to a friend it's all a chain of events it's not just like you sit yeah. at your computer and it's twitter right yeah right yeah yeah yeah. <clears throat> yeah exactly i think that's like I tell people that too. I'm like, in my business, it's easy to start a screen printing shop because mm-hmm. the barrier for entry is very low. The equipment's cheap. You can put it in your garage and you can do it in your garage. I like to tell people like, okay, go find a print shop that exists and bring them business and just broker deals. You know, like yeah. try to do that first before you go commit and buy all this equipment because the reality of, in my business, of the actual work itself, it's very physically demanding. Mm-hmm. And so I, oh, meet right. a lot of, I meet a lot of kids that are out there that get equipment and they don't even realize how physically demanding it is. Then what happens is you're stuck at the press. Mm-hmm. Your own orders that you've sold, 
right? Yeah. Whereas I believe you're wasting your skill. If you have the tenacity to go out and get the clients, don't, don't actually do the work as well, right? Mm-hmm. Go, out, go get a print shop to do the work for you and just keep generating, you know. Yeah, sales. oh, that's smart. You know, that's like smart. people, I think people just have, it's the ego thing. It's like, I have to be, I have to be it. Like it has to be my company. You know, mm-hmm. I, it has to be, you know, um, I, I did that for years before I started my company. I worked with two different businesses and I built them up really mm-hmm. well. And I was like, okay, I think I'm a business person. You know, like I built a wine bar for a guy before I started my, um, my print shop. Um, and I had been thinking about ideas on like what I wanted to do for a business, but I didn't know how to start. So I was like, yeah, I think, you know, let me just try to work with this wine bar. And the wine bar actually gave me carte blanche to like completely redesign that their oh, cool. entire brand. Right. It's all, it was on, um, La Brea and Pico. It's called, it was called Chic Wine Bar. It was there for like six years. Cool. Um, but they were struggling when they opened and I walked in there and I was like, damn, this place is sick and it, and the brand sucks. And mm-hmm. they had a beer and wine license. So I like converted it from this like shitty rotisserie chicken place. We made it a beer and wine bar. Like, oh, actually, oh, sorry, cool. the wine bar and small plates. So like uh-huh. I took the concept and I was like, your concept sucks. We're going to redo it. And I redid their concept, redid their brand. I renamed the restaurant and I had never worked in a restaurant mm-hmm. before. I was just like, oh, let's give it a try. Um, then the dude was like, you want to run it? And I said, yeah, sure. Like I'll, I'll work in the restaurant and, see if I can do it. I've never ran a restaurant, but I'll see if I can do it. And mm-hmm. I was there for like three years. I fell in love with the restaurant industry and I wow. fell in love with the restaurant and people were like, are you the owner? Are you the owner? You know, cause I was doing all the advertising. Like for the them. face of it pretty much. And yeah. I was also there every day. And I was like, no, I'm not. But I was like, after three years of being there and working on someone else's business, I also learned how to run a business. Mm-hmm. And I, so I was like, all right, I'm going to go try to start my own now. You know? And I think that's how it, it led me to level press to my print shop. You know? Yeah. Hey guys. How's your experience wearing masks? Do you kind of have, do you kind of like, oh, it's hard to breathe in this. It's summertime. I'm hot. You know, we all are uncomfortable in our masks, but you know how to make it suck a little less? Wearing Braddock USA masks. They are so comfortable, so soft, and frankly, I think they make my eyes pop. <laughs> they have really cool patterns and colors, and they're just... Honestly, they're more breathable. I'm in the desert right now where it's, I think it's going to be 122 today. And the thought of wearing a mask outside just seems daunting, but I'm fine in my Braddock USA mask. So I was thrilled when I discovered Braddock USA and I was like, those look super comfortable. I'd seen them on Instagram and then, you know, serendipitously, they decided to sponsor my podcast. And now Braddock USA masks are all I wear and I'm handing them out like candy to my friends and family. And now that's all they wear. They're just more comfortable. They're stylish. I love the colors on the inside and they are also giving back. What they're doing is they're using premium upcycled fabrics that are super soft and breathable. Plus, they have moisture wicking technology to keep your face nice and cool, which is so important right now. And it feels good to wear them. So upcycling is basically, uh, upcycled fabrics are brand new existing fabrics that they repurpose for their masks, reducing waste and materials. Less waste equals less harm to the environment. And the fashion industry is traditionally very wasteful, but Braddock USA is, is stopping that right there and they're upcycling and just keeping our environment safe. And they're machine washable and they hold up after dozens and dozens of washes. I, I mean, I've been wearing my same like orange in the, on the inside, tie-dye on the outside one. I just, it's my favorite one and I keep washing it. And it's, I mean, I've been wearing it for like over a month now and it, it cleans up fine. I keep using it, but I mean, 
they're inexpensive. You can get a bunch of them. You, if you want to switch them up with your outfit, why not color coordinate with your outfit? Okay, let's make the best of this. And now you can get Braddock USA's masks as well and feel much more comfortable and safe. And now when you go check out their website at braddockusa.com, that's B-R-A-D-D-O-C-K-U-S-A.com, you'll see they already have great prices. But for a limited time, they're going to hook you up with an additional 25% off with promo code B here on your first purchase. That's 25% off your entire order until the rest of the summer with promo code B here at BraddockUSA.com. Again, that's B-R-A-D-D-O-C-K-U-S-A.com. Go check them out and get some. And from all of us, let's beat this and move on to better days. Okay, so let's go back to the timeline because I interrupted you. Sorry. Oh, yeah, sure. Like what happened? So it was like January you closed the deal on oh, your yeah. so right, yeah. right, right. So this goes back to my my the the topic of always looking for opportunities, right? So mm-hmm. again, just good business advice in general, just to look for opportunities. Um Okay, I like that. I always look for opportunities. I always look for opportunities um in printing, you know. So for me it's industry specific. So uh-huh. I've bought out a couple shops already. So I, I met a guy that was, um, that had a shop. Um, basically what I had was in my, in my brain, I'd been in business for eight years and I, I decided that the way for me to grow and the way for me to expand was acquire other print shops. Okay. Uh-huh. So what I started doing was knocking on doors. I started, you know, uh, interviewing print shops and I started talking to them about where they're at in business and I would outsource jobs to some other shops if my shop couldn't handle all the work. Mm-hmm. I would give them some jobs to start a rapport with the business owner. Mm-hmm. And um, after about a year, I bought one of these guys' uh, shop. He was in his 60s. Um, they had a crazy commute from Laguna to It was like five hours every day round trip to oh, LA. God. I know. Him and his wife did it no, for thanks. like 20 years they did this. And so they had a, they had a cute little print shop on um, Olympic and Fairfax. And I loved the location. Um, and I loved the couple. And I made, them, I made them an offer. And a year later, they, they finally caved and accepted my offer after like a year of them being like, no way, that's too low. And mm-hmm. so that was my first acquisition was last year. Um, it was in like October of 2019. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, cool. With it came equipment plus some clientele and I, my sales went up. So I was like, all right, I think that's actually, this is a good move. I'm going to try to acquire some more shops. Um, and in my price range, not like hundreds of thousands of dollars, 50 mm-hmm. grand, 60 grand. Let's see what I can go, you know, buy for 50 or 60 grand. You know, so you're uh, buying the business from them at that, that price? Okay, that's not like the building. I'm like, that doesn't no, make no, sense yeah, the for business, LA. <laughs> the equipment, you know, yeah. They owned the building too, actually. They sold the building for over a million bucks. So like, I was like, ah, wow. that's my price range, but I'll buy the business, you know? So you're, okay, so you're buying their, their clients, their, their machines. And their, and their machines, yeah. Okay, got it. And whatever inventory they may have or, or um, you know, whatnot. So, and at the, my price range is like 40, 50, 60, 75 grand, you know, for the okay. businesses. So I'm like, all right, cool. Um, we did a deal, signed it in October and I was like, all right, I love this, this model. I'm going to focus all my energy and effort on the expansion. I'm going to start trying to buy these little print shops or open second doors in highly foot traffic neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. This is the pre COVID business plan. <laughs> I fully commit to this business plan. <laughs> I'm like, this is it. I, I see my path. Right. Especially and, it was like October, 2019. And then you were like, all right, right away. I'm going to look for another one. Let's that's go right. way too much time. That's right. That's what I did. And then, so I put together a business plan. My plan for, for 2020 was I'm going to acquire five to seven print shops. That was, oh. the, yep. That was the business Impressive. plan for 2020. Yeah. And so I met a guy, we bought a piece of equipment and I started offering 
my services to other print shops. And we called hundreds of print shops to offer embroidery. That's what this, this is oh, cool. on, my, on my hat. It's like, like it. stitching on, a hat, on, on hats and garments. Um, a lot of print shops offer that, but they outsource it. Mm -hmm. so I called hundreds of print shops. We got a guy that came into the shop and I, I just got the sense that he just, something was up with their business. They weren't happy. It was mm -hmm. a couple, I was a partner. Fast forward to, you know, this is in January. I met this guy. Fast forward to, you know, a month later, him and I develop a relationship. He starts doing jobs with us. And then I um, offered to buy his shop. I said, why don't I just buy your shop? And why don't we merge? Because mm -hmm. here's my business plan. I'm buying five to seven shops this year. And I'm going to expand. I love your shop. I love you. I thought the guy was great. I thought he could really help me grow and expand this business with me together in 2020. And he was like, okay, great. Let's do it. Um, so after about a month of negotiation, we signed a deal at the end of February, the beginning of March, oh my and, God. And like literally I get the keys to the place, you know, the deal is inked, you know, I give them the money to buy them out. Right. We exchange, you know, we have contracts, everything's done. I have now my second facility, you know, down the street from my main facility, I get the keys. And then literally one week later, I go into the shop and he was like, so what are we going to do now? And I was like, what do you mean? He was like, well, like you're paying attention to the news, right? And I'm like, yeah, of course I'm paying attention to the news. I was like, I know what's going on. He's like, well, don't you think like it's going to affect us? And I was like, I don't know. The next day, everything in LA shut down. Wow. Everything in LA shut down. We came back to, that was on like the Monday where LA was, that was Monday, that weekend. It was like Friday. We had mm -hmm. this conversation. It was big in the news in LA. That and did happen so fast. I was like, because I'm at my parents' house in yeah. um, the desert right now. Um, I moved out of LA when this all happened because I'm like, I'm not going to spend yeah. $3,000 a month on rent and yeah. like not be able to do anything. And like, right. there's no point. It's not like I can ha do podcasts in person. Like, might as well just yeah. go to, you know, the Palm Springs area. Yeah. And I happened to, um, when this happened, I was like staying at the house and just visiting for like five days. And I remember I went to a restaurant and they were like, it, it, at the restaurant, they were like, oh, they just canceled the big tennis tournament. I was like, oh, because of coronavirus? And then I talked to my boyfriend like two hours later, and he was filming a documentary on this um, baseball team, Team France, who wanted to get in somehow. They were at like spring training. I don't even know. And uh, he called me. and He was like, they just shut down baseball. I was like, this happened so fast. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. it just rapid fire. Everything just went. Overnight. I mean, yeah. it was wild. And, you know, I had been paying attention. You know, I was looking at China. I was mm -hmm. following China, you know, I, and I remember crazy uh, conversation I had with the guys when I was buying their shop to mm -hmm. negotiate the price of the shop. Mm -hmm. I was talking about coronavirus. Yeah. I, oh, wow. I said, hey, it could come to America. We don't know. Mm -hmm. I said, I might, I might be the loser in this deal because the, the offer may, they, they thought my offer was a little low or whatever. Mm -hmm. They were negotiating. And I said, I might be the loser in this deal. Mm -hmm. and I just, that, that conversation just like rings in my head, you know? Yeah. So, so still today, like, this is like five, six months later. I'm like, I can't believe I had that conversation with that guy in January or in February. And like, it happened, you mm -hmm. know? Um, but yeah, so we, so now on Monday week on that weekend, actually. Oh yeah. I mean, I was at a birthday party on Friday for my, one of my daughter's friends, we were at their house and there are other business owners, the, the kids' parents. And they were like, what are you going to do? And I was like, we've got a lot of orders to finish. You know, I got to finish yeah. my orders. I don't know. And on Saturday, they called my wife and they were like, we're shutting the office on Monday. No one's going in. 
What type of work would she doing? She's a fashion designer. Oh, okay. Yeah, she works for a brand called for uh, for Love and Lemons. It's like a big. I love them. Oh my god, that's one of my favorite. Oh, the yeah, cutest cool. stuff. Nice, yeah. nice. I'll I'll tell her to hook you up with some, yeah. with some stuff. Oh, thanks. Yeah, of course. Um, the, she's the head designer there, so like got. The oh my god, she was so talented. Yeah, thank you. I'll pass it. I'll did pass she, it on there. Did she design the stuff that they ended up selling at Victoria's Secret for like oh, yeah. a, a yeah, lesser yeah. price? Yeah, yeah. Love it. Oh, nice, cool. That's so yeah, cool. She's, she leads the design team, so she's not she's not the owner, but yeah, leads the design How team. Cool. Yeah, the owners are like fully hands on. Well, I'm a fan they're, of your wife. <laughs> they're the, yeah, yeah, they're the they're the brains of the ops. My wife is the she she's you know she sketches and is part of the team there. So wow, like, that's awesome. Super talented. I mean, it's cool. like yeah, that's how we met. We met from my print shop. Okay, yeah, I was guessing yeah. probably something they, in the fashion yeah, industry. We, we met. Yeah, they contracted us to do some work for for the. They had a baby line, and that's uh-huh. how we met. Ironically, we met. You know, uh, doing stuff for the baby line. So. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, that weekend they called her and said, "Yeah, we're, we had a conversation on Friday. They were like, we're we don't know what we're gonna do." And I said, "Me neither." And on Saturday they called her and they were like, "We're closing the office. We don't know if we're gonna come back." On Monday, I had to tell my entire staff. I said, "We're." we're closing. I don't know what we're going to do. So I, mm-hmm. I had, I have two locations. I closed the main location. I told my team at the main location, I said, I'm going to close for a couple of weeks. I don't know how long we have a ton mm-hmm. of jobs. Everyone's closing. Just call everybody and tell them what's happening. Call mm-hmm. all of our clients, call all, you know, your orders that are, have jobs in the shop, tell them we're going to open and we're going to be open with a skeleton crew. But because of how fast this is moving, I'm going to, I'm going to take a couple of days and just think about it and figure out what we're going to do. Within that couple of days, my other shop that I bought on Main Street, the second shop that I bought on Main Street, the one of the employees fled. I don't know where he is still to this day. Yeah, <laughs> he fled. He fled. Yeah. And then the yeah. other employee, yeah, the other employee, uh, he got he had to do um, baby duty. I was gonna say like joy duty. Yes, baby duty. So basically he same same scenario as us. Daycare mm-hmm. got canceled. He had yeah. his kid at home. He had to stay home to take care of the kid. So overnight, that factory now had zero employees. And uh, we lost like half of our jobs in the shop. So I was like, okay, this is what I walked into. Like mm-hmm. on day one of me having the keys at this factory, I lost two employees. Day one. Day one. Wow. Literally day one. You know, on that Friday, it was pouring rain. I'll never forget it. Like it was pouring rain. I was on the phone with some other people. Like, what are we going to do? And like my first day was like, how do I deal with like a global pandemic shutting down my factory? You know, like I guess I'm going to figure it out. Like this is what's going to be, this is the beginning of my journey, you know, for 2020. Yeah. um, Yeah. So we shut down. I shuttered that business. I had to get, I, the landlord, unreal. They, they locked, we didn't pay our rent for that month because I didn't know if we were going to move. I didn't know if I was going to go bankrupt. They put a lock on our door. Wouldn't let me get into the shop. Unless we paid. supposed to be illegal? Oh, yeah. There was a moratorium on evictions. They can't. It is illegal still, I think, to evict. I think the moratorium might have been, um, might have been, uh, you know, lengthened. I don't know. Yeah. Um, But yeah, there was a moratorium. They couldn't evict me, you Mm -hmm. know. Uh, And so he locked my doors. I wouldn't, I couldn't even get equipment out of the shop. So I actually paid the rent to get in. Mm -hmm. Uh, No, actually, no, I didn't. He kept the doors locked, but let me in if we needed to get in. So I shut it for a month, right? Mm-hmm. And then at the one-month mark, he put a lock on the door. So it was closed for two months almost mm-hmm. yeah, during, during all of this. And during the second month of the closure is when I started the masks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of where we, how we met. You know? Yeah. Where, you know, it brings us to like where we're at now, which is like this is how we dealt with 
the pandemic. That's how we dealt with the closing. Again, like always looking for opportunities as a business person. Well, didn't, kid, you know? didn't, um, didn't the city's attorney or something call and say, we heard you have a skeleton that crew, but you yeah. can maybe stay open? Will you explain that? I, for, that I forget exactly. That's right. Yeah. The city attorney called us. So, so now we're about a month in. And now at this point, I have my entire crew. We started making masks right away. We weren't selling them though, but we had them. Everyone was wearing masks and we were doing like a little email. We had a little tiny store, you know, mm-hmm. we were like, it was mostly for our, our team. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had, everyone was wearing those like bright orange work vests. I made everyone wear uniforms, you know, just to kind of like, <laughs> I don't know why, like my brain went to like, why? I instantly panicked. <laughs> I just instantly panicked and I was like, I gotta like, I gotta figure this out. You know, like I was like, everyone's gonna wear, you know, construction worker crew uniform. And we're all gonna look like we're like essential workers. That's what it was. You're I was like, like, OSHA could come in here and shut us down. I need yeah. you to look real official. Exactly. That's what it was. I was just super paranoid and panicked. Mm-hmm. I was like, we need to look like we're like government employees, you know, right now. <laughs> Hilarious. And so, and so it worked because we were the only business on the block. It was spooky. We were the only business on the block that was wow. open. So I'm not surprised that we had the mayor's office called on us, but yes. So we had the city attorney called us and they said, we got information from the mayor's office that you are a non-essential business and you are open and you're operating and you're not allowed to. So this is your warning. You're mm-hmm. being warned right now. Um, you could face a, a fine, arrest, and possible jail time if you don't close. Wow. Yep. And so I'm like, all right, panic mode truly set in at that point. I was like, mm-hmm. okay. Then, it, then I spent the week going back and forth between the mayor's office and the city attorney to, to determine what the hell they're talking about because they, they were very vague about it. The city attorney said, we got a report from the mayor's office. All right, great. I'll call the mayor's office, see what they said. Mayor's office says, well, we have a hotline. People are reporting businesses that are open. And if, you, if, if the, you know, you're being unsafe in the community and the community feels threatened, then they're going to call you in. I said, mm-hmm. okay, cool. Well, half of my clients are essential workers. Weed Honestly, I don't know if you know this or not, but weed, the weed industry, cannabis industry is considered essential. Yeah, I didn't know when that. When everything yeah. shut down, yeah. I mean, everyone probably knows that now. When, it was, when everything was shut down, uh, weed was allowed to stay open. We have a ton of weed clients that were printing weed stuff. So mm-hmm. we were like, all right, cool. We're doing things for essential people. Plumbers, contractors, electricians. You know, we have a lot of those contracts with local, local contractors. That mm-hmm. are uniforms. We're staying open, right? That was my, that was my um, you know, my my thought during the whole thing i was like i'm not closing i'm not going to go out of business right yeah um so then when the city attorney called and the mayor called that's when i called the the bankruptcy lawyer (laughs) because yeah because i was like okay i maybe i am gonna have to close here you know like maybe i'm gonna go bankrupt so i gotta figure out like what does bankruptcy look like you Mm -hmm. know i had already lost one business Mm -hmm. because it closed for a month and now the city attorney and the mayor are telling me you're gonna lose your second business you have to close it yeah. So I'm like, all right, I got, I'll declare bankruptcy and like, I'll figure something out after this is all over. And so after a week of conversation back and forth with the mayor's office and the city attorney, it, they were both still unclear as to whether or not I was permitted to be open. Mm-hmm. Still weren't able to give me. A so they were like, we think you can't be, but we can't tell you not to. Yep. And so, yeah. right. Because I'm working for essential workers, but I'm not an essential factory. Mm. Yeah. And I said, well, what is essential? They said, well, you need to be physically making products that are used for the frontline workers and essential, essential workers. And I said, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to do that. 
I, that's what I'm going to do. I have one sewing machine and I have a seamstress on staff that we, because part of my services, we, we have a seamstress, I have a sewing machine. I do some sewing for some of my customers. Mm-hmm. I said, all right, I'm going to sew something. I don't know what the fuck I'm going to sew, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to figure out some kind of essential thing that I can make. And so I had determined that I'm going to make uniforms like the ones we were wearing for the <laughs> last week. It was like bright neon things. And then, because um, I did a lot of research actually. And the, what I was seeing was the COVID test centers. People were wearing those bright neon oh, okay. masks. So mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to make vests and masks for people at these COVID test centers. That's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Like, initial spark. I was cause just going through like, just trying to get inspiration, really. I was going yeah. all the news stories, Google Images. I was like, I Google Image like coronavirus task force, and like, I would like if I if I heard a story, I would Google Image it so I could mm-hmm. see like, kind of like references. And um, yeah, I was like, all right, I'm gonna make masks and uniforms. And I told my team, um, the guy that I bought, his factory, he's a great designer. So I was like, we're gonna do this. We're gonna go head on, and we're gonna keep our business open, and we're gonna make uniforms. He's like, all right, cool, let's do it. And I said, I said, we're not. I was like. It was like a war hero kind of like moment for me because I was like, we're not backing down. We're yeah. not closing the shop. You know, we're going to, we're going to join the fight and we're going to be, Fuck essential. It up, Jimmy. Do it. I was like, yeah. we're going to be essential. Yeah. We're going to be essential. Let's make ourselves essential. And, and you know, like let's keep the shop open, you know? Um, and so we put together, I, I researched some designs of masks that, you know, online, I got some patterns from different, you know, home based sewers and stuff. Mm-hmm. made five different versions and I was like this is the one it's like a three I sent some to you I think mm-hmm. oh yeah they're super comfortable okay cool so I it was a three pleated it's like three pleats you know they mm-hmm. kind of look like the surgical masks you know yeah. that have like the pleats but way softer and nicer they're yeah they're cloth yeah. and they have the same elastic similar elastic to the surgical masks so mm-hmm. I you know so yeah so I um I was like all right this is the one I love this fit it covers almost my whole face mm-hmm. you know I was like this is a good one I like this I feel safe in it um, let's, let's run with it. We put a little, you know, uh, store on the website, sent out an email to our email list and instantly did like $1,500 in sales. And I was wow. like, Whoa, I was like, that was one email. That's crazy. Like did a bunch of sales and we sold like, now how do I make like a thousand masks? You know? Cause like, what do we do? And I was like, all right, great. This episode of be here for a while is brought to you by magic spoon. So, growing up, cereal was one of the best parts of being a kid, right? You know, all that, the delicious, you know, crunchiness, but then the, like, yummy, sugary-colored milk afterwards. But I had to give it up because of all the sugar and junk they put in it, and I really had no portion control, um, plus the plates of nachos after school and the individual-sized bowls of cookie dough and the uh, English muffins with uh, butter and peanut butter. That was really just my 3 to, like, maybe 6 p.m. regimen before dinner. Um, I was becoming quite the chunkster. But now, Magic Spoon has provided me with the nostalgia and deliciousness of their cereal without me bursting out of my crop top homecoming dress. Yes, you heard that correctly. I was, you know, maybe, let's go, 60 pounds or more overweight. Crop top homecoming dress. Are you jealous? Yeah, lots of confidence. No idea. It wasn't. But you know what? Here's what I say. It was a smart move because guess what? Room to breathe, expansion. I'm not being held in by fabric in my midsection. So if I wanted to hit the snack bar mid-dance, 
were covered. So you know, maybe I was maybe I was onto something. But magic spoon cereal is actually good for you. And now when I am like trying to you know watch my weight, but also have the yummy, delicious breakfast that we all crave, craved as kids, and now crave as adults, magic spoon has you covered. It has zero grams of sugar, eleven grams of protein, and only three net grams of carbs at each serving. That's amazing. And the four flavors I've tried are cocoa, fruity, frosted, and blueberry. My favorite right now is cocoa. I'm loving it. Feels like, I don't know, kind of feels like cheating in the morning, like having a chocolatey cereal. It tastes amazing. And honestly, it seems too good to be true. It's keto friendly. Get this. Gluten free. I'm going to keep going. Grain free, soy free, low carb, and GMO free. And who wouldn't want all of this chocolatey goodness or blueberry or frosted goodness with zero guilt? Sign me up. So get involved, guys. Go to magicspoon.com slash be here to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code be here at checkout to get free shipping. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money. No questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash be here and use the code be here for free shipping. We thank Magic Spoon for sponsoring this podcast. I went to my buddy, my partner, Ricky, and I said, all right, this is serious. I was like, this worked. And now we're making essential products, you know, yeah. like in, in-house. I literally cut t-shirts because as I think I mentioned this too. Yeah, because you got extra fabric. Yeah, extra, yeah. extra t-shirts in the shop that were brand new, not used. And all the fabric stores were closed. So you couldn't even buy fabric. So oh, this like, is where like the drug dealing came yeah, in. Yeah, right, not, right. You have yeah. to explain that. It's hilarious. Yeah. So, so, um, so yeah, so I'm like, all right, how do I make now a thousand masks? You know, I'm like, all right, well, we have t-shirts, you know, and I, I bought some of that elastic before the shutdown, actually. Um, a guy, well, actually, right as the shutdown happened, a guy sold me a roll of elastic through the fence of his business. Like, crazy. Super market shit, you know? <laughs> so, like, because I, I called him, he's a regular, you know, vendor of mine, and I was like, are you guys open? He's like, yeah, well, kind of. Pull up to the curb. And we'll Where's, walk it out through the fence. You know, the price like, of elastics is higher than crack. Yeah. It was like the <laughs> I, first know, curb. I have no idea what crack would this cost. Is like before, <laughs> this is like before curbside pickup too. Like, you know, yeah. a mandatory thing. Like he was like, you got to just, there was like a handwritten sign and like, it was like real ghetto. And oh he handed gosh. it through the fence, you know. Uh, and I was like, all right, great. I got enough elastic to make the masks for the orders. I got, and I have t-shirts. We cut up thousands of t-shirts to make the masks in the mm-hmm. very beginning. I ran out of t-shirts. And then we ran out of elastic and I was like, okay, this is a problem. Cause, um, let me backtrack a little bit, you know? Um, cause also part of the story was after we sold that initial thousand masks, we were like, okay, let's build a business. Let's just mm-hmm. proof of concept. We tested something out. There were sales high, super high demand. Let's build yeah. a business. So we decided to form a brand new business, um, called Braddock, which is the face masks and, um, a mission, which was to be sustainable, you mm-hmm. know, use what we've got. Don't go make shit, you know, make, make the, make, don't go making the materials we need. Let's find the materials we need that exist, right? Mm-hmm. Lower our carbon footprint. And um, let's donate as well. So I was like part of the plan still, we donate thousands of masks. In the very beginning, it was like, great. yeah, we donated, we sold a thousand and I think I donated a thousand, like my first week. I was wow. like, I'm going to donate a thousand. Week. Wow. The very first week I donated a thousand masks. I was like, let's just make as many as we can. And I'm going to, this is part of the mission. This is it. Like I want to donate masks. You know, I want to give, I want to give 
the website even said it. It was like, we don't, we are, we are devoting 100% of all of our available resources towards making masks. So mm-hmm. anything that we could possibly do was making them to either give away or to fulfill the orders that we sold. And so it's still, that's still what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, back to the shortage of materials and why we're using what we've got on hand is because when the shutdown happened, we were the only business open on the block, literally. So like I had to, you know, scurry around the city to find materials and I'd gotten word that there was elastic being sold on a corner like deep in the in the fashion district and i'm like fuck no no way and i'm on amazon and i'm on line i'm like i'm gonna find elastic i'm not going to buy it on a corner you know like and i and i don't think my my team was correct there was like i was like no way does this did she see someone on the corner selling elastic i was like yeah right and so i'm online i'm like god all the elastic providers are saying it's going to be a month to ship elastic or more and this is in march or april they were saying september it would arrive Oh, like, wow. So like, oh, I almost went one week looking for elastic. And I was like, I'm going to go see if there's actually people on the fucking corner selling elastic. <laughs> I get in my car. I get in the car and I drive around the fashion district up and down the blocks. And I'm like, oh my God, there's all the businesses are closed. And there's men on the corners slinging elastic. They have spools of elastic. Listen, in their- they're smart. To even, <laughs> who would even think to do that, honestly? Seriously. You know, I'm like, you know, you got to like, appreciate that you know like you think you haven't do you think you have any like uh bootleg elastic or like stolen like they stole it from someone and they're selling it to you do you think you have any blood diamond elastic (laughs) i hate to think about that i'm just joking no you know what though i mean i don't i don't think it is because you know what happened is everyone got screwed over yeah and so what these guys did is they they, had all their product and they just put on the street and did it they just had it they had it and they weren't allowed to stay open yeah. And I'm like, all right, I need, the guy was like, oh, I got five rolls. And I'm like, bro, I need like five, I need 50 rolls. You know, mm-hmm. like I sold thousands of masks. And he was like, oh yeah, cool. Like, come with me. And I was like, all right, great. He gets in my car. He's like fully masked, has like mm-hmm. a whole headgear mask on. Um, we go to his, we go to a little bodega that was open in the mm-hmm. factory. He was like, all right, wait here. And took me down, took me down to the bodega. I get out of the car. He goes in the bodega with like boxes comes out with boxes. And I'm like, where did those come from? This is like a bodega. He's like, oh, I have a factory in Orange County and I came up and brought them. This is my aunt's bodega. Oh my God. <laughs> so smart though, honestly. I know, I know. He's like, yeah, I have a drapery and um, tablecloth company in, in Orange County. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I, this is all, I got elastic. I know, I heard it's in need from my aunt. So I brought- even love what that guy's doing though. It's yeah. like, hey, you got to keep going. Your factory that's shuts right. down, yeah, take it to the that's streets. Right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. This was like fight or flight for a lot of people. You know? mm-hmm. And I think that was like, my wife was pregnant. I'm like, I'm panicked, you know, yeah. like I did provide, you know, like I'm not the sole provider. She does well, you know, mm-hmm. like, but she, and she was working from home. Our salary got cut. She was furloughed for a little, you know, it was, also dramatic for so her. stressful yeah you know, super stressful so i'm like all right this is insane like i gotta figure out a way to stay in, stay in business too as well you know and i you gotta do it that's yeah. what people are doing right now you know so um yeah so i mean it was it was nerve-wracking buying that from that guy you know like i think well you then you had him in your car i was like okay well that also was a little yeah. nerve-wracking you're a girl don't do that but i guess you're a guy so it's fine but <laughs> yeah i know right exactly yeah yeah You know, and I have a lot of trust, you know, just in general, like for some reason with fashion industry people, like, Mm -hmm. so I was like, if he knows to be here, then like, he's already like a brother to me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Get in the car, you know, like, let's go get that elastic. (laughs) So funny. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then, so like this became like pretty successful for you pretty quickly. Yeah. So then I think you were probably rewarded for doing, doing what you had to do. Early. Not just like, you know what, I guess I'll take one of those loans or get unemployment yep. or whatever, you know. Early too mm-hmm. as well. That was the thing. I, I just actually was speaking with another person about like my, um, uh, my business sense. And I always operate with a sense of urgency since Same. I started the company. And Same. I, I actually started the second podcast pretty much the first day. I was like, well, I can't tour all my comedy dates. All right, I'm starting a true crime podcast. Okay. I already, like I've already signed with a network and like it's okay. it's happened so fast because I I pivoted quickly. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think I think that's what you do if you you know if you if you're a business person you're like a sole proprietor you got to like think think on your feet constantly okay. you know to make, to keep things going. Um, and so, uh, oh my god, I lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> the uh, where, 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 where was we that? We were talking about elastics. Um, I mean, you sold a thousand masks the first. Oh, yeah. No, oh, so, oh, so um, yeah, how, where, where, how we got there. Right. Mm-hmm. So I have a background in um, digital marketing. Mm-hmm. I ran ads for my own business. I had to learn, again, I learned how to, I learned, I taught myself how to run ads on mm-hmm. Facebook and Instagram because of this weird sense of urgency that I always feel every day. Like I'm panicked every day. Like yeah. I'm gonna run a business. I'm like tomorrow it's it. No matter how well yeah. we're doing, I'm like we're done tomorrow. So I'm yeah. gonna so like I gotta figure out like what's next, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I taught myself how to run ads on Facebook and on Instagram, um, and uh, that was for my print shop just to get print printing business, and it works really well for us. So I learned how wow. to do it. Luckily, I learned how to do it. Mm-hmm. I had some clients also that were really powerful top sellers, like selling T-shirts online with ads. So I learned a lot like selling things online. Um, so after the email campaign worked with the masks, I put together some ads to drive traffic to the site and it was like instant success, wow. like instantly. So like the ads were working, the product people liked and we just kept scaling it. You know, we scaled it. We scaled really fast to the point where I was like, yeah, we sold a thousand masks last, last week to like fast forward to like a month later, we're selling like a thousand masks a day. And like, wow. Yeah. So then in July, last month, we sold up to 4,000 masks a day. Like that's how many. Holy I mean, I don't shit. even know what that math is. That's like 100,000 masks or more. Yeah. So in 4, July, 000 we sold. times 10 is 40,000, 4, 8, 12, more than that. Yeah. Almost like 200,000 masks. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like that's where we, yeah. We, so I went from like literally like one sewing machine. That's also was a fun story too. I didn't really, I didn't really touch on that was like, I built the sewing factory during all of this. So like. Wow. I would go into a sewing machine vendor that has uh-huh. sewing machines and they'd be like, oh, we don't have any machines for another week or two. You're not the only person making masks. Some guy mm-hmm. just walked in and bought 50 machines, got a contract with the government to make, you know, a, a 10 million masks. Mm-hmm. I'm like, come on, are you serious? Like, you know, these are the only people that were getting sewing machines. So in the course of one week, I bought 12 sewing machines and I had like ads interviewing uh, sewers uh-huh. And it was like every 30 minutes for almost a week straight, I had a new sewer come in to audition for the, you know, to wow. build a factory to, with 12 sewing machines, 12 sewers, and then now uh, five to like six people shipping because we're doing shipping. So I do all the sewing. I do all the shipping. We do all the mm-hmm. everything in-house, you know, all the customer yeah. service. Everything is under under two groups, you know. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it was wild to like scale it to like, it's still, it's still going. 
you know, it's still going. It's like still scaling. You know? I truly believe you were rewarded for coming up with the idea quickly and not just being like, this sucks so bad. Like, that you know, it was, does, yeah, it sucks for everyone, you right, know? Right. I mean, some way worse than others, obviously, but like, yeah. you got to make something of it. What are you going to do with, about it? You know? And I think. You were telling me on the phone, um, I thought this was crazy. And I, I guess this is maybe more people knew about this in the news, but I, I didn't know about this, that there, when you said the government contract thing, it made me think of it. There's literally people, there's like a, a criminal enterprise going with this kind of thing. Like there's masks and airplane hangers that, can you explain all that? Yeah. 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 I mean, it, man, it really brought out the worst of a lot of people. Yeah. But I think you, those types of people will, they're always going to find, you know, the criminal way to get around things, always. I guess. Always. It makes sense. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Always. I mean, especially when there's tens of millions of dollars involved and very, very smart people on earth who know how to get government contracts and get money from these big pools of money, you know, the, tr- the trillion dollar stimulus package. There's people just waiting for shit like this to happen. Oh, they're con men. Take advantage yeah. of, of these situations. And I take the comments so personally when people are like, oh, you're profiteering. It enrages me, you know, because we have no inventory. Everything's almost made to order. It's not like I'm sitting on like tens of thousands of masks, you know, like hoarding them. And it's not like you're charging them like $60 a mask because there's a shortage. Like they're barely priced. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They average out to be five bucks a mask, you know, and they're good. They're reusable. They're not like cheap, shitty masks like Mm -hmm. that are out there, you know? And so, um, yeah, so there's, it's legit. I mean, what's happening you know, one of the stories that I read was about a couple lawyers that were hired by a broker to do some research on a couple companies that were mm-hmm. negotiating a deal to procure some masks. And so wow. what happens is, is that these people obtain very lucrative government contracts to the tune of tens of millions of dollars to make masks for the government or some type of agency that needs tens of millions of dollars worth of masks, right? Mm-hmm. This is happening. It's, it's real right now. Okay. Wow. These people have no access to a factory. They have no access to masks. They have no prior experience in the medical field at all. So how do they, they're just, how do they get hired just, if they can't even prove gonna, like I've ever done this before? They're just super um, connected, rich, wealthy lawyer types. Crazy. Who, yep. Who, who have the ability to get those government contracts mm-hmm. and then they figure it out. They just figure out, wow. they just figure it out. They're like, Hey, we just got 10 million. I'm sure we can. They definitely have some blood diamond masks. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. Big time. Big time. And I'm like here on main street, sweating my ass off, you know, like literally, you know, cutting t-shirts and these people wow. just get 10 million. They're sitting in their penthouses or whatever to, and they don't even have a mask on hand. That's you know, so it's crazy. So, it infuriates me what like what what is happening. Not in, surprising though. In the underworld of the masks and the COVID. COVID in general. It's not just masks. It's mm-hmm. COVID material. COVID related, you know, with price gouging on on cleaners and whatever. It's like everyone's out there kind of trying to rip people off, you know. Um, so I'm not I'm not surprised that there's leery, there's skepticism you know, towards us or anyone selling anything that uh, COVID related, right? Mm-hmm. It makes sense because there's these stories out there, like the one I'm telling you about the uh, underworld. Yeah. The- All right. So what they do is they get the 10 million, then, then they go to try to find out where to now get the mask because they promised someone masks by a deadline. 
Mm-hmm. They go try to find it. And then they fail. So what do they do? They hire a broker. And the broker also has no access to masks and has no, but takes the contract from the person that took the original contract with no access to masks, no factory, no resources, right? Then they go out and try to find. And so what happens is that along the way, the price of the mask inflates because they're yeah. trying to- Because they've had to hire so many people to do it. They're trying to make their pennies, right? So the masks get inflated, right? So that at the end of the chain, the person that got the original contract can only buy a quarter of the amount that, of masks that are needed, right? Mm-hmm. The price got inflated along the way of all these brokers. Now, there's also another component to that story, which I found fascinating, was that there's the uh, actual cash caches of masks that people who actually have the masks are actually hoarding masks mm-hmm. in airport hangers and in warehouses, waiting for the top dollar. So they're sitting on these massive inventories. They know these million-dollar contracts are out there, right? And what wow. are they doing? Waiting for the bit highest bidder while people are dying. That's insane. Right? They're waiting I feel like it's like the mafia. I feel like the mafia got into mask making. <laughs> or it's, not mask it could, making. It probably is. Mask brokering, I guess. I wouldn't doubt it. Like, I might yeah. have a hit out on me right now. We might we might. <laughs> not guess we're talking about. It. But I wouldn't doubt it, right? I mean, yeah. who else would be involved in some, like, nefarious, nefarious, you know, type of, it, but that's what happens, like like when like when natural disasters. I guess this is kind of one, but like like people know how to scam people. Like that sure. is, sure. they know how to prey on people at their weakest point. I read a whole book. It's called The Confidence Game, and it's about people that like they're always looking for their next con, yeah, right. and they're so good at it mm-hmm. that like there's a, there was a line in it. They said that um, they don't need to um, work or beg for your trust because you've already given it to them. They know how to work you in a way that. You, you already trust, or you need them so much, you, you think. That's like um, the uh, Japanese business, that Japanese corporations make all of their employees read The Art of War. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Right? Because yeah. it's so competitive and so cutthroat in you know, Japanese culture that like, they make them read a book about war. That's like, whatever, 2,000 years old. Or, oh, yeah. No, I know what it is. That's crazy. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, we have to wrap it up soon, but I wanted cool. to ask you like what your advice is for people right now that they're, they need to pivot their business or let's say they, they're not in the business of making masks. Sure. You know, like what, uh, what's your advice for how to pivot your business? Yeah, sure. I, I have the answer to this because I, I love business so much. Mm-hmm. I love talking about business and I love giving advice and I love consulting on no matter what the business is, I, mm-hmm. I can give advice. And I think... <clears throat> I, I've mentioned it already, actually, was find something that exists and make it better. Mm-hmm. And I think if you think you have a business acumen, you think you have the ability to be a business person, and you think you have the ability to run a company, go find someone that's running a company that needs help, right? Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, everyone needs help. Every business needs help. Every mm-hmm. business owner that's open right now, or even in good times and bad times, everyone needs help. And if you have something... I, th- I think, you know, in terms of like what, like specific advice to offer someone, it could even be your local flower shop, mm-hmm. a- anything. If it's, if it's, if it's now, especially if it's local, even better, right? Mm-hmm. Give it, give your, give your services for free for a little bit, right? If you, and then if, is your point, like, like find someone you can work for, help them grow. Is that just to help you learn? And then you eventually go do it on your own or is it? 
Well, yeah. I mean, or, or even maybe you, you can end up a partner in that business. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I think people need to think, uh, like think past and, you know, almost imagine, you know, use your imagination, think past what your limitations are. Mm -hmm. I can't buy someone's business because I don't have money. Okay. Forget about that thought. Yeah. You you can buy the business without money. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. don't put that limit of I can't do something because of this. I think I if, you just, if you think about how you can do something, you'll figure out a way to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where you get into creative problem solving. As a business owner, you have to, you have to be a problem solver. So mm-hmm. that's your first problem, right? I, if you think you can't do something, then how can you do it? Yeah. And, and the way you solve a problem is by coming up with solutions and then trying your solutions. Test yeah. out your solutions until you find a solution that works. Yeah. And don't be afraid to fail on it. It's like, sure. Fails, actually yeah. in the startup world, right. They say fail fast. Yeah. The faster you fail, the faster you will learn, the, the faster you will be able to try something new until you get to the thing that succeeds. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the ultimate thing, you know, uh, I guess ultimately is to just go, go find someone that exists, go find a business that's out there or a service or a product or something that's out there that exists that you think you can make better or do better. Mm-hmm. And that way, you don't have to also go build a business, start an LLC, buy the products, come up with money, right? Mm-hmm. You don't have to come up with money to buy inventory. If you're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to start whatever, uh, you know, a water bottle company, right? I'm going to start mm-hmm. making water bottles, right? Go find some water bottles that exist, buy them, and try to sell them, right? Mm-hmm. Or you go and redesign a water bottle, right? Yeah. Uh, or, or, or build a brand or even buy a website, right? Mm-hmm. Try to sell the water bottles literally door to door. First, sell one water bottle before you buy a thousand you know, that's uh, great advice, you know, sell one water bottle to someone to mm-hmm. even prove if what you have will be, can be sold to someone. Cause what you'll also figure out is what's the problem. Why isn't my water bottle selling mm-hmm. the price? Okay. In business, it's generally the price is the first thing. Let's drop the price. Okay, cool. Now my water bottle sold, right? I sold a water bottle, but my profit margin is now I'm losing money. So then you have another problem, right? Mm-hmm. I drop the price of the water bottle, but I'm, I'm not profitable. So how can I, you know, uh, figure out that problem. And I think as a business person, that's what grows a big, big ass company. Is yeah. You're faced with those problems all the time in business. And if you can't do it as a single person selling one product, more than likely you can't do it with 10 people or 20 people under your, under your wing, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, thank you so much for doing sure. this. This was great. I, cool. I, I was so inspired by your story and that's, oh, thanks. yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Thanks for having um, me on too. It's great. Yeah. I'm Tell glad, everyone glad where they can find you. I mean, oh, yeah. I, I, probably, I, I think I even have a Braddock ad on this. Sort of right. matter, but. I think there's one going up. Yeah. So, all right. So I think the best way to find me is the, the, the parent company is Level Press. That's the, you know, our print shop. And then BraddockUSA.com is the website where you can go buy some masks if you need some masks. So. Cool. Yes. Thank you so much.